Yo! Just right into it, huh? Just pew, 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 right into the yo with the fucking... Uh, listen, welcome to the Where It Went podcast, where we only ever discuss the Revelation Records discography in chronological order. This is a, a nice round number episode that we got today, right? Jason, wh- what are we talking about on this episode? We're talking about Revelation Records number 40, Shades Apart, Save It LP, released in 1995. Uh, how many records deep into 95 are we, Greg? There, there's some uh, <laughs> discrepancies. Because remember, if you go to our website and put your email in, you get this discography list that Javier compiled mm-hmm. using multiple sources. Having said that, because there's certain releases that ended up getting a number, I guess, before they even recorded. So the timeline's a little wonky. But in just taking a cursory look, like I think Poetry of Fire um, was... So, yeah, I think we're one, two, three. This might be our fifth of 95. Okay. So at this point, in 1995 in real time, I'm a senior in high school, 18 years old. And I don't think that Shades Apart was on my radar at all. I I do not remember this record coming out on Revelation Records in real time. Okay, Jason, how about you? 95, what was going yeah, on? Yeah, I mean, I graduated well, well, high school. Wait, back up. What were you listening to in 95? Try to think uh, of like a... Fucking... A little Hav playlist. I'm going to probably say heavy on the, like, the California takeover. You know, the Earth Crisis, Snapcase. Well, Snapcase is probably in between Looking Glass Self and Steps. Around this point, right? I think Steps is is no, that ninety six. Steps was out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So so no more uh, Snapcase records that I really wanted to listen to. Then um, maybe started getting into some heavier stuff around this time. Um, you know, probably still heavy on the Unbroken. Yeah. Still listening to No for an Answer a lot. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Um, Local-wise, I really only remember 1994 and then maybe jumping into 1996. I don't remember too much about 1995. And that could be just because, you know, at that point in your life, you got a lot of shit going on, graduating high school, moving, you know, it just whatever. Like, like life, life becomes a desert around you, as they say. Yeah. Jason, what were yeah. you doing in 1995? 1995, I had graduated high school in 94. I was falling in love with going to shows as much as I could and taking in as much music as I could, good or bad, sometimes bad. What were you listening uh, to? I was listening to Lifetime, the background LP. Did that come out in 95? No. It didn't? 94, 94. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was listening to Lifetime, um, Integrity, yeah, so to 185 Miles South did a big – was their episode just about the 90s in general? Oh, dude, they did an episode specifically on 1995. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like 94 was maybe more important than 95. I think so. Yeah, right? Maybe, see, maybe for you guys, but see, for me, 95 was when I, I really notched up my awareness how old I was were you? In, I was 14. 14. So I was uh-huh. finishing eighth grade in 95. 
Okay. Going into freshman year. Mm -hmm. Um, I was at, at that point, like I knew I had youth of today, maybe the seven inch, the disengage Uh and break down the walls um, and gorilla biscuits, the seven inch. And then, but I would say the things that really like were getting constant play for me at that point, 95 would have been like lifetime. Hello bastards. Actually, no, you know what? That was later. That came out in 95, but I think I didn't get into it till the following year. So scratch that. But I would say like, um, you know, Green Day, uh, Mm. Rancid, because they had the outcome of the Wolves came out. Um, You know, a lot of the lookout stuff was I was really into that. And Jawbreaker, Dear You. Um, so like that kind of stuff, oh, but also, hey, all, all, so did you listen to Jawbreaker Dear You in real time when that came out? Did you like the record? Loved it. I don't okay. think I heard and it until like I 97. Heard, I heard okay. 24 hour first because, uh-huh. because Dear You wasn't quite out yet. And I loved it immediately. I was like, oh, oh nice. Yeah. Like I never, I never got the pretense like, but maybe because they were on DGC. So to me, that was still kind of, cool. I don't know what that is. It's like the Geff, Geffen. I don't know. Yeah. But that like, didn't mean anything to me. So like that's who, like in uh, the 90s, basically, like that was, the, they had Sonic Youth, Nirvana, yeah, Beck, I, I didn't. I, I wanted to get away from all that stuff. And I wanted like Vermiform and Ebullition and Gern Blanston. And I like, the, I, I didn't care what major label anyone was on. It had no effect on Oh, I didn't need my... but I'm just saying as far as like, maybe that's why I wasn't as tainted because I'm like, well, at least they're going to be on a major label. They're on like the cool, the cool mm. one that had like a bunch of bands that I liked on it. Yeah. Tainted Sonic Love. You know, tainted Love. Um, yeah. Who, Sonic Youth. Who else was? Oh, Sloan. <laughs> who I didn't, I'm, you know. Literally. Still, I've never heard of Sloan until the word, that word came out of your mouth recently. <laughs> Never heard of it. Of it. How about Posies? I've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it as well. Jason won't listen. See, Jason will listen to them if someone cooler than me tells him to. That's but not if true. I'm ta- hey, if that's, I'm what wife, that's what my wife says too. And she calls it him splaining. <laughs> yes. You know <laughs> what? Shout out, shout out to Heather. Yeah. There's so many bands since we've started doing this podcast, though, that you said you should really give this a listen. And you hate and, it. Uh, no, no, I love it, dude. I, I generally, sometimes I agree with you. Sometimes I don't. You're pretty open to a lot of bands, though. You can find but a I lot of But I definitely like, like, it's funny because there's a lot of stuff where now I just realize, like, I don't care, like, like some more stuff. Like I, I kind of tried to refine myself, like, and just hyper focus on maybe like a smaller group, um, than just kind of being like, you know, into like, oh, well, I like, you know, I'm thinking about like, I don't know, like newfound, like I don't know if I'll, I mean, newfound glory was fine back then, but I don't know if like I'd necess- like I haven't listened to their last four records or something. Okay, you know what I mean? Like, well, the one thing that you did say is when you started doing something to do the replacements, who's could do podcast. And I was telling you that I didn't really get into please to meet me. And you said, you got to give that a second chance. Oh, and you that's, did, didn't that's you? one of my favorite records now. Me and me and so, well, thank Jude you for that. too. That was Jude yeah. too. Yeah. Well, but, hey, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so for me, 95, I guess the, that was like coming out of like the grunge stuff for me and like, getting closer towards 
what would eventually be like the stuff we're talking about on here with like the Civ record was huge. I played that so much. Yes. Also. You know, when, when that came out. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I got this save it fairly in real, t- I think within a year. So like at this point I was aware of revelation and I knew about this one and, and you know, some of the other stuff. Well, uh, I think that now might be a good time to, I, you know what, I, I'm just, I don't have anything really to shout except for, uh, everyone who has, is new to our Patreon and all of our patrons, especially all the people in the discord, because we were super active in the past month with bonus content. You know, it was quicksand month. We talked about quicksand a lot. We got Anthony Papalardo. We got to actually talk to quicksand. And I feel like it created a little bit of a buzz in our, in our sphere and maybe made some new people interested in what we're doing. So I just really wanted to thank everyone in the past month for participating. And uh, I wanted to, I, I feel like, I've I've given him a bit of bow many times in the past, but man, Tyler from Inclination, that dude is just so stoked on what we talk about. And like, if you mention a record or a band, he'll dive into it. He texted me the other day. He's like, yo, I'm like obsessed with this Whirlpool record right now. Oh, nice. Which might have been the first time that sentence was ever uttered in the history of man. So I just wanted to give him a bit of bow. And and also, uh, there is a very recent set of Inclination playing in Chicago that came out on 856. Great, great set to watch. Lots of energy. I suggest you check that out. So, Tyler holding it down for the working class out there. I was just going to say, um, I had uh, more people than I expected say that they were into um, that Whirlpool record. Um, and I, I enjoyed it, you know, like uh, uh, listening to it. Um, but, uh, you know, even like Bit of Bow to uh, Greg Anderson, Engine Kid, you know, Southern Lord Records. He had told me he listened to it and had really fond memories of touring with them and he mentioned the uh it might have been a bra hanging up or the mm-hmm. bathing suit or something um and he's just like man what a what a wild time you know like mm-hmm. we were just it was you know an interesting time i think for a lot of these people because they were coming you know they were leaving the confines of this like rigidly uh rigidly regimented uh hardcore scene and they were still like in it but they were also not in it and they were doing this exciting stuff you know engine kid ice burn whirlpool they don't sound anything alike but um you know they all came from from hardcore and it was cool so it was neat to get that feedback from greg um and also um a bit of bow to ben edge yes who is you know uh who for participating filling in for me but also you know we got that ashes talk in Somehow Ashes right. got brought up on the Whirlpool episode and, um, you know. He's just, down to do a bonus episode, he said. Yeah. Coming we, soon. 
we got to get, you know, cause that was going to be my thing is a, just a thank you to all patrons. Um, and we plan on, you know, might not be able to be as like, I think we have like four or five bonus episodes this month, but, uh, you know, we're going to have, or last month rather we're in October now. Um, but you know, we're going to have more this month. Um, some cool stuff and you know, you're going to want to be a patron because we're yep. going to have all this extra stuff that you're not going to be able to hear unless you're a patron. Yep. But where can they sign up to be a patron? www.whereitwentpodcast.com has all that information and more. And as Greg said, you can sign up for a mailing list where you will receive the, the most comprehensive Revelation Records discography in the world. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I Jason, you got any, you got any, uh, any shouts? I do. I got a bit of bow to uh, Patrick West from Change Zine. If you remember, Change Zine was one of the biggest oh, yeah. I I love from that. the 90s. Is, is, is that the dude who was super into basketball? Yeah. 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 It is. And so I used to order a zine when I was younger. I would look sure. forward to getting it in the mail. And he put up an Instagram post just saying, hey, I have all these leftover zines. If anyone wants one, send me your address and I'll get one out to you. And he uh, was nice enough to pay for the shipping and send me uh, one of the change zines with a veil, Fugazi, Floor Punch, Jawbreaker. Let me see that cover. This is the cover. You would recognize it, it, I'm sure. Oh, I, I have don't that. have it in front of me. It's downstairs. Yeah, I got I that one. I, I got yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend, I'll give a bit of bow to my dear friend, Brian Convery. He uh, sent me a, um, a bunch of old uh, zines. Old zines. Yeah. And uh, they've definitely been helpful for this podcast. Yeah. And uh, I just love reading them. And like, we, like we've, you know, I've, I've gone on record saying I love seeing the ads and reviews. That's what I was going to say. I opened up this change sure. scene and the first thing I saw was uh, Shades Apart, Save It ad. Yeah. You know, uh, Adam Lentz from Rev used to request me to send him pictures because he knows that my zine ex- uh, collection is extensive and he would be like hey you got anything for me today so a lot of the stuff on the revelation records instagram is photos of ads from my collection i should nice. probably get on that he hasn't bugged me in a while i think he's been busy getting married or something okay Bit above but there was what it. change second nature anti-matter rump shaker hardware. rump shaker thank you yeah that was um, my yeah. favorite rump shaker was so good um the one um uh admiral andrew what was that one monkey monkey bite that was a good one i was a huge fan of heart attack oh yeah of course absolutely. so much content in there um no I answers kinda, yeah what was the one that had the rage against the machine article and i had it at one time in the 90s and i just lost it or gave it to somebody i can't yeah. remember was that uh, heart attack spin no, no. Rolling Stone? <laughs> it was Heart Attack or No Answers that had the Rage Against the Machine title for an article, and that's where they got their name from. Oh, it was No Answers. Yeah, No Answers. Thank you. Yeah, I, think, I, think, you knew I think someone's, I'm sure someone's going to correct and be like, actually, it was a <laughs> Kent McCard made between Heart Attack yes. and No Answers. <laughs> well, you, you, they can at me. One last thing um, that I, I'd like to um, mention is that. Some shameless self-promotion here. My band Godhead has an EP coming out. Uh, if this episode drops on Wednesday, the EP drops on Friday, yes, October 8th on all streaming platforms. And you will also have a premiere 
on noecho.net a bit nice. of code to noecho we 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 actually talk about noecho quite a lot probably more than they are aware um so and they also have a patreon yeah, and I'm a patron. all kinds of stuff i'm a patreon a patreon as well patron. so um bit about to carlos and noecho awesome well should we and you have you have shows on the you have shows on the books we have one show on the book all right um, october 22nd at program with change damn Berthold city and damn headcount and then we're also talking to headcount about doing something else in november so awesome headcounts uh from san diego this great you know just i don't want to say traditional hardcore but what what else are you going to call it you know it's like it's hardcore. It's fucking hardcore. Yeah. And um, good dudes. And yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have... Uh, so I was just going to give a, a shout out to Hell Minded Records. Absolutely. Um, they released Shades Apart, uh, the newest Shades Apart record um, that came out last year. Um, and it's really good. Uh, it's on Hell Minded, I believe... Now they're in their it's on its second press, um, which is, you know, that's always cool. Uh, and the album's called Eternal Echo. Um, if you like this record, you'll like it. You know, it's it's kind of a little, maybe a little more poppy. But, uh, and I was told also that the One Up Records, finally, there was a little delay. As people who are involved with labels, Hob, you know, clothing everything's kind of backed up right now yeah it's not and i think people people are gonna have to you know we're all gonna have to be patient myself included um but i say this all the time that like amazon really ruined things a lot of things for a lot of people i mean look at how long we used to wait for records shirts cds you would stuff a ten dollar bill in an envelope and (laughs) And just hope that you got hope that you got something that you could wear and that was cool and you didn't get to pick out size. You didn't get to pick out shirt brand. Yeah. You just got a fucking. I know. I always feel bad. Like, what's it printed on? Yeah. It's you printed know, it's on like, fucking cotton, it, asshole. But we, um, but the one up records are supposedly within the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you just reminded me with, with Godhead. We have canceled our shows. So I'm sorry to anybody, to our, our three fans out there. Um, we just, you know, for whatever reasons, we canceled them. We plan on doing stuff hopefully in 2022. So there will be a chance and it'll celebrate the 20th anniversary of like our demo. So something to look forward to, but I'm a bit bummed about not doing the gigs, but yeah, yeah. it's for the best. But on, do, it on when they, do it when it feels right. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be good. And we're still, jam- we're still practicing so that we'll, we'll just be extra. Tight. Extra tight. tight. Yeah. So that's all I got, boys. All right, let's jump into this interview.
What's up, everybody? We are here today, Where It Went podcast, with all three members of Shades Apart. We have Mark, Kevin, Ed, special guest John, uh, John Cinco. Um, thank John you Backlash. all. For, yeah, John Backlash, a.k.a. John Backlash. <laughs> um, you know, when He's I in talk uniform, to, I love it. Yeah, when I talked to John like, yeah, you months hooked it ago, up, so. I was like, I was like, hey, uh, you know, was there any, is there anything you, you know, any episode you'd ever want to come on? He said, shades apart, save it. And I said, consider it done. I'm a man of my word. So what's up everybody. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out and speaking to us. And we're going to get into revelation number 40, save it shades apart. You know, I was, I was saying in a, in the intro before the band and, my good friend, John Backlash, got on this call. In 1995, I was 18 years old, graduating high school, living in Orange County, California, like down the road from Revelation Records, basically. And I do not remember this record coming out in real time. And so since this is a podcast about Revelation Records specifically, and you guys have this record, can you please tell us how Save It came to be out on Revelation? Like, we, there's plenty of information out there, I'm sure, of how the band started, you know, all of the history. What I did read on the, the Google this morning is that there was a previous Orange County connection that probably led to the Revelation Records connection, correct? Well. Yes, Wishing Well Records. Can we talk about Wishing Well for a little just because yeah, kick it. I'm a nerd and I love that stuff. So um, you know, the first first album, you did an inner ear. So already Don Santara. Yeah, already my nerd senses are tingling, (laughs) you know. Inner ear, Don Zintara, Eli Janney. Um, and then it's on Wishing Well, which you know, Wishing Well is obviously known for so many great records, Uniform Choice, Unity, Instead. Um, I'm sure there's some off the top of my head I'm forgetting. And then, of course, this. But this was, I guess, towards the end of, of Wishing Well being a yeah. label. And, you know, they were branching out a little a little bit at this point. Like, it wasn't just bands that sound like Uniform Choice. But, yeah, how did that whole connection come about? Um, did Pat Dubar, like... You slipped him a demo. Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, we went to see Uniform Choice at City Gardens, and we brought cassette copies of our demo, which we did with Eric Rachel at Tracks East, and sounded awesome. And we gave it to Pat Dubar and also Pat Longry. I think the two of them ran that label. Yeah, and like. Maybe four months later, they called my mom's house because, uh, you know, I didn't live at home anymore. And they said they wanted to put out the album. And that was it. Yeah, that, that was probably yeah. what, what year did that come out? I, I kind of forget. 88, it says. 88? So did, was your yeah. demo under a different name? Uh, someone told me that there's this elusive Shades Apart demo. Avatar. Um, oh. But yeah, so, so I think when we submitted, I think when we gave this demo to, to Pat, it was under this the name of Subculture, I think. 
I think like before the age of the internet, and you know, we didn't know that there was some other band in North Carolina already like succeeding with that name. And so when they said they wanted to put it out, we were like, oh man, this is probably the time to to figure out like our go forward name that was kind of unique and you know, like probably every other band, we, you know, we just had this list of, you know, a thousand ideas and somehow we landed on Shade of Heart and kind of went with that. But do yeah. Remember, so the, Kevin, do you remember, do you remember the album cover? The album art was done by a friend of ours, Dave yeah. Lawson. And I remember he did an entire logo. We had a name where we passed it. Maybe we had it for a few weeks. Ritual. Ritual, yeah, he might have known it from that. That, but then he had like paint over. He actually painted the the cover by hand, so he had to like paint over that and redo the the logo with shades apart. Oh, as, as you'll find, as we start talking more about this stuff, I've got a terrible memory, so uh, I'll just take. That's just remember from thirty five years ago. Yeah, right. Now, and we we totally get that. That like. We're asking people to pull from decades and decades ago. I mean, since we're talking like, you know, old names. So, so weird story. Uh, so a few weeks back, I started to um, like one of my COVID projects was I'm going to like refinish my basement. So I've been doing all that. And, and, and once it got finished, I started like, all right, now I can start putting out all the stuff I had in closets, you know, to use. Like, so I pull out like a turntable that, you know, it was my dad's old turntable. I restored that. I got that fired up. And then, uh, you know, I stumbled across my brother. I used to, I have four brothers. I, my, I shared a bedroom with my brother growing up my entire life. And he, like a couple of weeks ago says, Hey man, I found this bin in my basement. His basement got flooded and he's cleaning out his basement. He finds a bin of records and it was all the records that he and I had growing up. So I, you know, the vinyls in kind of, you know, kind of rough shape or, or the vinyls. Okay. It's just all the covers are kind of messed up. I come across this one record and it was a song that ended up on that shades apart record. You're talking about called we believe or on our self-titled record. And the song was called we believe we submitted that song before, you know, long before we talked to probably uh, Pat Longry and Dubar and wishing well. And we submitted that song on this like new music college search thing like the snickers <laughs> sponsored by snickers it was like 80 maybe it was 86 87 maybe 87 i bet i'd have to look but anyway so i found the record that had like the the, the entire like contest i guess it kind of aired on the radio once a week on college radio and they'd say oh you know here's the 10 songs this week you know pick your top whatever and it got narrowed down we, we made like the finals or something and the record's kind of funny because it's uh there was two records and only one side of each 12 inch actually had, you know, grooves cut in it. So I guess it was so that in the old days when they used records at actual radio stations, I guess they had it queued up on, I don't know, different turntables or something. And, you know, so, so we went by the name of invisible sons for that. I don't know if I mentioned Whoa. that yet. So, wow. yeah, so we've had a couple uh, iterations before we landed on shades apart. And then that one obviously stuck. You did the album with Wishing Well, um, yeah. and then you had records on Skeen, right, from uh, Minneapolis. They're from Minneapolis, right? 
I think the most known for they did a Green Day seven inch. Um, yeah, and then Jeff. Saw. They uh, also yeah, they they also did a, a Trench Mouth, which had the guy from Portlandia on drums. Yes, Fred Armisen uh, did Trench Mouth, and then uh, Neon. No, Neon was Skeen. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Do Danger was on a label called Sunspot, and that was before Neon. Neon. That our, I don't, was that our own label? I don't remember. Sunspot. Yeah, I was, I was actually going to ask about that. Or that quick. was the, the Virginia Tech connection, maybe. There was two kids at Virginia Tech, and they did a bunch of good albums, 1.6 Band. Oh, nice. Groove, I think. Okay. Okay. Groove is from Virginia Beach. Yeah. Okay, Norfolk. nice. Mm-hmm. That's right. Norfolk, thank you. Um, so, so yeah, so Do Danger was 91. Then 93 was uh, Neon. And then, of course, you get in touch with Revelation. Now, I asked Jordan. He mentioned that he believes that this album was completed before, like, you guys had it in the can, pretty much, besides a song. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Um before even signing to Rev, like you had the album, we're basically able to be like, here's what we have. Is that true? Or is he thinking? I think that's right. The songs were done. Okay. No, I think we, I think we sent him the completed cassette and it was just kind of like a lark. Like what if this guy would put our album out? Cause revelation was big at that time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this was like when things really were like we talked about, you know, earlier before we were recording with Sensefield and uh, you know, this was this is a couple releases before Texas is the reason and yeah, Far Side and everything. And he was trying to get more melodic stuff. Um and we sent it to him and he said, Yeah, I'll put it out. And that was pretty much it. So <laughs> funny I'm asking the question. So remind me, so like we recorded the whole thing with Bill and Stefan and then kind of shopped it, I guess, shopped it around. Okay. So, I mean, we recorded it in four days. Oh, wow. Damn. I was, it was less than that, but it was, I think it was recorded in less than that. It was recorded in Well, it was four days, including like set up, carrying the drums up those stairs at Old Tracks East. Remember, it was a lot of stairs. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And the mix. Those guys came to South Orange and to Trax East. Yeah. Not South Orange. With, with um, Eric and South, Steve. Uh, South Brunswick. Yeah. We're South right. Amboy? South Amboy? South Amboy. Is that where Trax East was? John, at this point, I would need you to play the whole set for me. I yeah. can't move I'm, my left, I'm I can't move my left foot. So. I'm ready. What you can't see <laughs> behind me is that rolling kit. So yeah. let's, let's go. It's, it's a go. It's a go. <laughs> what foot is it? Is it just hi hat foot? You don't even need that. Oh. So yeah, exactly. Because uh, this was recorded before the blasting room, or like yes. right as I guess blasting room, because yeah. blasting room started like I always said the bit of an aside, but it's related enough because Bill and Stefan worked on this. The smartest, like major label signing ever as far as being fruitful was had to be all because they used their advance and built a studio 
that like they still use to this day and recorded, you know, multi-platinum records now with Rise Against and everything. Rise Against, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was just like, okay, so they had one record on Interscope and then they got dropped, but they got their money's worth because, you know, they made this studio. But this was before, um, I guess, Blasting Room was a thing. So they, Bill and Stefan actually came out to Jersey to to uh, to you guys. I think yeah, was- they were kind of on this like, like this production tour where they were kind of, I don't know, uh, driving around the country. I think driving, I don't even remember. Uh, touring around the that, country. They were in that van that went into flames in front of Tracks East. <laughs> remember all the firemen were on? I don't yeah. remember. Of course I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I think this was around the time of like, they also recorded the Serpico, yeah. and the Sleeper, like who were like, also- that they were same- yeah, it was like John Lisa. right after. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was just getting them to do that record. And we didn't even have a, you know, a, a label behind us, really. It was, that was kind of a feat in its own. So that was, that was great. So, and that all came about just through, again, playing same, similar way to the whole um, Wishing Well story. I think we first came in contact with those guys, maybe, you know, face to face was a, a show we played at the anthrax. Okay. Connecticut. Would that be the ground Whoa. zero point, you know? And uh, I've said this in an interview recently. I just, I still remember to this day, like we were playing, we were just doing sound check and uh, Bill Stevenson just kind of, you know, walks out, you know, and just kind of like stands like three feet in front of us, kind of looking up with that, that <laughs> bill gaze. <laughs> you know, just kind of nodded his head and, and he, he was digging it. And it was like, you know, that was kind of, I think, his first introduction to our band, at least. And then we sort of, Ed did a lot of the legwork for finding labels back then, the way I remember it, right, Ed? Did you, did you reach I, out I, to? I, I mailed a lot of stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow it's not super organic, though, like how you, you know, Bill and Stefan are clearly fans. Like, again, we talked about this earlier, like they are definitely fans of the band. Um, and it's just cool to have that opportunity to work with them. Were you guys, so I always wondered as hackneyed as it sounds to be like, what are your influences? But I tried to pinpoint like, you know, cause this was the, this was the first shades of part I heard. And to me, maybe because I knew the names of Bill and Stefan, I was like, Oh, this reminds me of the descendants all record. How has the really technical, uh, you know, mu- musicality, but there's a lot of melody and, you know, pop elements too. What, like, what kind of stuff were you guys going for? Like, what were the bands that you were into? Were you like really into like, I love the idea of trios, right? Or, or like, you know, one of my favorites I've talked about is Husker Du, um, where you just have three people playing. So I, I was going to ask like, were bands like that a big influence on you guys as well as descendants and all like, I hear a lot of the all records The Yeah. I mean, we were initially, when we first started getting together, it wasn't even really necessarily like the punk rock genre, you know, now or whatever. It was more like, um, you know, like the alarm, that kind of stuff midnight oil maybe i was gonna you know, say agent we, orange agent and then orange. we started creeping into the agent orange we all i mean i think we're all huge agent orange fans but it was still time. trios and again like yeah trios a lot of melody though like husker do i mean just love husker do you know like for the same reason it was like 
it was a powerful three piece, a lot of like vocal activity going on, harmonies, Even melodies. The police. I was actually going to say, especially on the next record, I hear a lot of the police, um, which is not never a bad thing. But yeah, like you were and I think like, by the time, sorry, on, sorry. I, I was going to say, I think by the time we got to recording Save It, it you know, this is years and years later. And then, yeah. like, you know, like the New York hard scene was really huge, you know, huge and and Rev was was doing a lot of heavier stuff. And that just, you know, that influenced us. And that's kind of, I think, I think we did save it after a couple of year break, maybe. I'm not really sure. We were probably in college for a couple of years or something. I think on save it too, there was a lot of stuff going on, like with dead guy or different bands that had. Yeah. Five in our area too. Like even vision and stuff, just like, the, you know, that kind time of signatures that we had. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of wild time signatures on this record. Like five and seven. And like, what were we doing? Math making the drummer <laughs> but it's what i love about this record is it is it's heavy i think it's heavy and aggressive but it's also super melodic um and there's not really anything on revelation at this point that sounds like this but you still fit in to me like to me yeah a, like you guys would fit on a bill with far side um and with uh sense field or you know I, any of the bands from that? I, I did some homework and I saw some of the bands that you played with, and we had on the list Agnostic Front, Chromags, <laughs> uh, Fugazi, Bad Religion. Fugazi. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you know John John Back last year, who's waiting quietly for his moment in the sun. He sent us a bunch <laughs> of uh, flyers of of shows that you guys played with, you know, real hardcore bands and real ones, not fake ones. Yeah. No real fake hardcore. Ones. Yeah. No. Um, like the that, ones Jason listed. Yeah, <laughs> you guys were like, you played with a lot of hardcore bands, but did you consider yourselves a hardcore band at the time? Or did, is that just how, where you happened to be at and, and who you happened to play with? I know there was a lot of, you know, in the nineties, we always talk about how like, Ashes could have played with Earth Crisis or whatever it was, yeah. you know, like heavy and not heavy. But like you guys played more shows with hardcore bands than not at the time, correct? Probably just because of the region yeah. we were from, you know, I think it was a lot of regional, you know, uh, shows in that vein. And yeah. if we wanted to play shows, those are the ones we kind of got, we play. I mean, generally speaking, we've never really fit perfectly on it, like, most bills we played for probably the first 15 years of us playing, we were always a little bit of an outlier. And I think, I think that is what some people liked and maybe what turned others off. I don't know. Yeah. But I think, I think we always showed up and sweated our butts off. Like, I don't think any hardcore band outplayed us. Like we left more out there on the field, I think than anybody. And so like the music might not have been that angry, but the performance was at a level where the kids couldn't go home going, Oh, those guys didn't really try. I mean, honestly, that's kind of how I got into you guys. I mean, I was still following the catalog cause I was already buying rev records at the time. So when save it came out, you know, I, I was waiting for it. 
Um, it was interesting finding you guys through wishing well with connections through, you know, youth today and other uniform choice. And, but you guys, there was a period of time where you played every good show in New Jersey, whether it was Middlesex or Chatham. Um, and you played with other amazing bands and it was never like, Oh, well, here comes shades apart. Let me sit down. Like it was just as energetic, exactly what you're saying. That like, you guys just went all for it. One of the things that's always made me such a big fan of you guys is you left everything out there. And, uh, similarly, Sensefield was kind of the same too. Like those guys just played as if there was a thousand people in the room, even if there's only 20. So it was fun. Yeah, that's what I time. that's what I get from, you know, it seems like you guys have a similar vibe to, you know, we talked with Chris and Rodney and 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 John uh from Sensefield and you know, they kind of said the same thing like they didn't really fit in, but they just went out there and just did it and and won people over a lot of times and you know, sometimes it's sometimes it's nice if if you can back it up, which you guys could and Sensefield could to be the like the outlier on the show because yeah. it's a nice little break from I think a bunch of bands that sound like you know crow mags or whatever and by the way I can't believe when I mentioned wishing well that I didn't mention youth today I know but, I was gonna say it I was gonna say it when you were talking about it I was but like I figured but I guess to me you. I just still think of rev so yeah Mark do you remember any shows around this time where Shades Apart stood out either good or bad on a bill I remember most of our shows, I think a lot of times people didn't know what to do with us mm -hmm. when they saw us playing because it wasn't like this standard, like, here's the fast part, here's the mosh part, you know, and I feel like we had, I remember at the time when we were recording the song, we kind of dubbed it a genre of kind of like surf metal, like there was kind of like a metal edge and there was a little bit of the Asian orange surf to it, and yeah. I don't know. I feel like it was kind of a unique record for us. If just for us, as far as our, our, uh, catalog. Yeah. But, yeah. I feel like most of the shows were people were still figuring us out, you know? Did you get that, uh, vibe that people had expectations for you to be a youth crew type band because of the rev star? We talked about Iceburn having that, <laughs> uh, having those expectations when they played sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I remember some confusion when when we would start playing. Some of the kids would be like, we're thinking you're a straight edge band still. Because I know even when I was, yeah. you know, 95, I was young and I kind of assumed every band on Revelation was a straight edge band. Yeah. Until know? this time period when things kind of started to evolve into yeah. them branching out. Yeah. I mean, it was cool. Once we got on Rev, we got to play with some of the more melodic bands on Rev. I mean, it was like we played, you know, the little mini tour with Farside, played tons of shows with Sensefield, uh, some Game Face shows here and there, and we got to, yeah. you know, experience. And that's kind of where we sort of fit in. You know, that was our pocket on that label, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I spoke to, to Scott. Sorry, let me jump in real quick since yeah, you mentioned Sensefield. I was speaking to Scott uh, McPherson the other day, and he just was stoked on you guys because I said I was going to be doing this and he just went into this flashback of such positive vibes and he wanted to just have me say what's up to you and he kind of referred to you guys as uh, this power trio Ed being a perfect punk drummer power economy creativity is one of the drummers that while watching 
exuded the appropriate amount of physical power to treat the music the way it made you feel. If that makes any sense. And you definitely felt like you guys were underrated. So I was literally on Scott McPherson's Facebook page like last night or the night before, looking at his uh, like you know his uh, his company where he makes drum bags and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so he says what's up and sends his well wishes. Wishing nice. well, he sends his wishing well. He sends his wishing he, well he wishes. Sends his, he sends his uh. wishing well. Youth of today uh, break down the walls on red. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask. So you did it tracks east, which you know when I was. I've made it known, like I always, in the days of buying physical product, um, paid attention to stuff like studios and producers and stuff, especially before the internet, when you're just going by what's inside the record and that's it. And I noticed Tracks East, I mean, at this time, especially was like the studio where every, like, I felt like every record I got from an East Coast band was done at Tracks East. But yeah, well, there was Fission and Lifetime, Bouncing Souls, a bunch of good bands. Yeah, and then like Snapcase did stuff there, and you know, Hatebreed did the their big record there, and Saves the Day and stuff a little later. But um, you had Steve Evitz and Eric um, did the engineering, Rachel. right? Eric Rachel. Mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, when we that? oh go on, sorry. I was going to say when we first got involved. Um, with tracks east it was it was just eric at the time he he owned it he uh used to run it out of his parents basement and so when we recorded some of the first demos that i think we probably used when we right, am i saying this right to be when did we record there first ed you yeah i think the demo that got us signed to wishing well was done in eric's dad's basement on bebab Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was it was still called Tracks East, and you know, eventually, he, of course, he grew, and eventually moved to that studio. And um, is it South End Boy? Am I getting that wrong? If it's where, <laughs> anyway, he if it's where this was done, it says uh, yeah. South and, River. Yeah, there we go. Oh, and then, uh, and then Steve came aboard. I mean, I, I don't know how soon after um, Eric moving into the new studio, studio that Steve came along, but he he sort of got involved. I think in some of our later stuff was he credited on that record i'm not even sure yeah know. steve oh okay because i was gonna I ask he, he engineered tainted love right okay oh that's right yeah steve did yeah oh steve did i was yeah. gonna ask like uh what because i mean there's two two guys engineering and two guys producing and you know steve ends up becoming known um really for being a producer as well, working on a lot of those records that we mentioned earlier. So what was it like having these four, basically like four extra people, like with their hands in this record? Did it ever get like people stepping on each other's toes or was there, was it real chill and like, okay, Bill and Stefan are the ones doing the producing stuff and and Steve and Eric are just going to handle like, hey, we're just engineering. Uh, I feel like. We can all answer differently, I think. Yeah. Go like ahead, for Mark. me, going first, like as the drummer, uh, it was the first time I was ever really held to a click track, um, which was a big deal. And all four of them wanted me to be on that click. And they were mm. all like, do it this way, do it that way, get on that click. And I got on the click. 
but I, I came to understand <laughs> that what I came to understand is that all producers want the drummer on the click so they can cut and paste later. Right. And so that was, that was my role to get on the click. And by the way, when we did that record, cutting and pasting was literally cutting tape and yeah. tape together. It oh, wasn't no, I was going to ask, was it unreal? Yeah. I mean, there was no pro tools editing and any of that stuff. <laughs> it was all analog. So they were like, drummer, you better get on the click. <laughs> so Ed, were you a bit, because like Bill, Bill Stevenson to me is one of the greatest drummers in, in, I mean, in punk rock, but even just in music for me, like I just am such a fan of his style. Were you a little intimidated? Yeah. Like, oh shit, I'm working with the guy that drummed on my war. It was the other way around. Like, I, I got to get this right. I got to get this right. They were awesome. I mean, they were they were like we needed direction. We were yeah, open they were they were supportive. They were like you know we had that. never really done a a proper. It seemed like we recorded before, but they they really like showed us the way it was supposed to be done. I guess and and we needed it, and we were like super open to it. So there was no yeah. like butting heads. We were like, oh, was that the we're supposed to like? <laughs> I remember uh, like the first time I went to sing backups, right? And so I sing my part. It sounded good to me. And they're <laughs> and Bill and Stefan kind of look at each other and they're kind of this pause. And then, you know, I think Bill's like, well, you know, there's two ways you can do this. You know, you could sing your backups and you can kind of, you can end whenever you want. And that's, that's a way to do it too. Or you can kind of try to link up with when the singer is ending and you guys both end at the same time, and you know, or, you know, whichever way you want to do it, it's okay. <laughs> That's so you telling me that you know, pay more attention to when I stop the actual singing to match up with, you know, it's that kind of stuff that when you when you're 18, 19, never done it, you haven't never done it before, you don't really think about, and then you know they start right. telling you all those, and they and they seem like simple little tips but like it's what we needed you know and the other the other part of that kevin is i probably never sang the chorus the same way each time so it didn't make it easier for you to match up with me yeah after <laughs> so we kind of honed in like we finally got to a certain point where we were linking up yeah which is a big part when you're a band who's relying on harmonies i guess yeah, yeah. Right. what do you remember from uh, recording the vocals mark I remember you can tell if you listen to the record, you can tell which song I sang first and which one I sang last because we did them all the vocals in one session. Okay. Was kind of, we were pretty, we were pretty pressed for time, you know, you know, yeah, we, we had to wait, 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 wait on the click track and then, then we were all set to go after that. No, the, uh, yeah, I feel like it was a matter of hours. So you can tell, like, I was pretty shot out by the time we got to, I feel like we sang uh, September Burns last. Oh, okay. So Interesting. Like, so it's like, you can kind of, like, at least for me, I can tell. And I remember just right. being shredded the whole, I don't know how many hours it was, but it was just, they were like, we were kind of feeding off each other. They were kind of saying, like, oh, Oh, you're going to do another one? Like, oh, yeah, you're up for it? I'm like, yeah. And then they're like, they'd be like psyched about that. Like, oh, let's just keep going. And then nice. we just rallied through, you know, like we kind of fed off each other. But they're like the guys were saying, their energy was just contagious, I guess you could say. 
Were you? I, I remember one of their processes of doing vocals was, um, you know, if if by the way, Mark is one of the. He's a great recording vocalist. His pitch is incredible. So forget that for a second. But, but you know, sometimes you want to just get like a good whatever amount of aggression or just the right tone to something. Yeah. So you know, for the most part, they were I they would run through a whole song like three times, right, Mark? Something, and if you know, if there was something yeah. obviously like. Hey, that you know, try this way. We would he would stop and maybe like fix a particular track. But then after they got three tracks, it was just part of the. I think Stefan was in charge of doing the comps, right? Where they comp. he, he comp everything together. together. Yeah. All right, <laughs> he look at the lyric sheet and he'd be like, underline something. Or I'm going to take this line from comp one or or from track one. Okay, grab this from line three, and that's when we sort of first were were, um, what's the word? Uh, exposed to you know a way that you can kind of like comp parts together to make a complete whole part yeah Yeah. i just yeah so were you guys like when you talk about being uh pressed for time was it because you didn't know who's putting out this record were they so like were were they kind of doing like bill and stefan since they were doing this like recording tour was it just like hey yeah we can we're, we're trying things out because you're one of the earlier things that they recorded to my knowledge, besides the, their own stuff. Was it more because uh, I'm rambling here, but <laughs> was that, were you pressed for time basically? Cause it's not like you had a budget from the label or whatever. It was just like, I think that's what it was. I like think it was we budgetary. Can, I think it was just plus, you know, they had a schedule to work on too. Cause I think they had some other projects to get to after ours. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember like what it cost for them. I don't even, I mean, whatever it was, it wasn't enough. We couldn't have paid them enough because I I barely don't even remember there that being an issue. It was just more about like studio time, right? Like those guys were tremendous the way they treated us to do that record. Uh, I I remember Kevin, we dropped off Bill at the Newark airport so he could go fishing in Alaska. That's right. I mean, uh, those, kind of, those kind of deadlines are real, you know? That's <laughs> pretty Bill. That's a Bill yeah. you know, thing. We're, did, um, was there a lot of coffee consumed? Yeah. Yes. That was Absolutely. Uh, that, wasn't a new, that wasn't a new thing. Uh, yeah. They were working with us. I yeah. wanted to back up and ask about how you approached Bill and Stefan about recording you. I think that goes back to sort of the anthrax story, right? Is that when we sort of first, well, no, I guess that wasn't when we asked him to record that, right? Yeah. Um, you said he had seen think, you. And... Go ahead, Ed. I think that we had known each other from the anthrax. And then I think we mailed them the Skeen record CD to all, which was in Missouri at that time. Okay. Yeah. And they said, do you guys listen to a lot of King's X? (laughs) (laughs) See, this is why Ed's great. He's got these memories. And that was the neon. That was the neon. Yeah, that happened, but I don't remember. Like, yeah, we like them, I guess. But And then Bill was like, because you have a lot of the same progression. And then they said they would come out and produce us. Yes. And that's the neon record, right, that you sent, uh, which was only on CD, right? Yeah, we sent them Neon, and I think I think they said the song Calling, really. 
stuff. Which is, it's kind of funny if you think about Neon versus where we went with, with Save It. It's a pretty drastic swing. I mean, you know, yeah. as far as tempo goes and, you know. Um, Time signatures and distortion yeah. and everything. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to ask about the artwork for the record. Oh. And the, the painting on the cover. And uh, if you could tell us about that. Oh, yeah, actually, my my brother-in-law painted that. He's not a artist by trade. Okay. He's just a very good artist. And we had found this image that seemed to fit. I don't even know how we, I feel like me and Ed kind of stumbled on the image somewhere on a, from a book. It was a primitive uh, I think we wanted something tribal, like to go with like the the spy metal thing, like yeah. some kind of surf, surf thing. And he was a metallic, kind of like a god of war statue. I forget what culture it's from, but the uh, we had kind of this picture of the statue, and then he did his rendition of it with seemed like ink and pen or pen and ink. Uh, he just he just busted that whole thing out, and I think it was kind of cool because he did the entire fold out i had forgotten i forgotten that, that they made that into a poster yeah, yeah, yeah it looks, it looks awesome pretty cool and it seemed to fit oh and i feel like the guy uh who was it tim from dead guy oh, that's what i was gonna say out. tim singer yeah, is that's where i was going next all things yeah. that's right he helped us with the with the, the layout and <laughs> i i feel like someone recently was making fun of that font that we that we kind of threw together on that thing but that was the Hunter S. Thompson font. Yeah. In Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah it, it is. Like a terrible logo or something. But we no. obviously thought it was really cool. That's and I said, you That's Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, <laughs> how do you argue with that? Come on. Your brother-in-law's name is J.D. Guerrero. Did I pronounce that correctly? Uh, correct. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah it's, I like that painting a lot. So I wanted to ask, I guess, about um, Tainted Love. So okay. Jordan, right. Jordan said uh, that Tainted Love was the one that was kind of added on at the end. Like uh, yeah. he, he he likened it to uh, Aerosmith Dream On in that it was like recorded, I guess, at a different session or whatever and sure. pop, popped on at the end. What was, what was the impetus behind... Um, you know, adding that song to the actual record. Because I know sometimes bands, you know, will have a cover on the record and sometimes, you know, maybe they'll save it as like a B-side. What made you think like, hey, we're going to close the record with this? What's that? Uh, I feel like we that was just a standalone, a one-off recording. And I feel like, I guess Steve Evans was a big part of that one. Yeah. And it was supposed to be, I don't know if it even got released, but it was supposed to be for a compilation of... Uh, New Brunswick bands uh, covering 80s songs. And oh, okay. And we just kind of had it in the can. And I imagine Stefan kind of remixed it to kind of match, match what we had. Yeah. I don't think it got thrown on there, but I, I think we just thought it would be, uh, it was a decent cover and it had a lot of, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't know that it had much attention at the time, but it definitely no, it was got a lot. It was kind of like a hit. Like, 
that was the first video of a rev band that mm-hmm. I remembered seeing on MTV. Like it was on 120 minutes or something. Um, and I think it was even on you, was it also on like one of those like X game comps or something like that? Like it was on some, wow. Yes. It was games. games was it? No, the first X games. That was it. Yeah. Also on the first jock teams. You're you're good. You did. (laughs) It was literally just like, I think it wasn't even homework. I was just a fan. I remember being like, Whoa, this is why like someone in my neighborhood had it and like shades of parts on this freaking. uh, this X game CD. I, um, yeah, I just found I just found that uh, disc the other day. Just something in my attic. I found a copy of that. And on a movie, she's too young. Oh, that's what uh, I read on the internet. Was that the, the, the one using the uh, four thirty in the afternoon after school special? That's it. Yeah, this, that's the one I thought. I was trying to. I'm trying to. Well, get the, title, the, the title is her last chance. Okay, okay. Yeah. Right? But don't, don't right? forget Hustler White. Don't forget Hustler White. Is that the guy? Hustler White mm-hmm. was the homoerotic movie that used Tainted Love. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, her last chance. Multiversal. Had, uh, yeah. The real story here. on that song is when we submitted the record to Jordan, he was like, I'm not hearing a single. You guys got to give me a single. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> no, <I'm> kidding. <laughs> you're like, we'll just give him a oh, voice. <laughs> So you said it was. I think Mark the- said that song was literally in a can. It was like it just didn't get used for what it was used for. And I think the timing of we were going to put this record out, we're like, hey, let's just put it on the end of the record. And that's really what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, you said it was her last chance. Was the name of the movie? Okay. Um, Jonathan. I got Brandis the, t- I got the title there. completely wrong. Yeah. My Jenna bitch. Elfman. <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, like, and the video, like I said, got. So can you talk about the video? It was shot in. Uh, was it your back? Whose backyard was that? That was my backyard, my parents' backyard. Yeah, I was like, hey, dad, we're going to do this video. Um, you know, can we use the backyard? And then, of course, he's like, what are you talking about, video? And I'm like, hey, they're going to need to tap into the, uh, the the electric panel. And don't worry, we'll pay for the electric, which, of course, we never did. We <laughs> 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 were like 1920 or whatever it was. Anyway, we had a whole like production crew and um, Marcus Siega came in and did this video for us. And, you know, same kind of thing, just done in a day. We put up flyers, probably, I think it's some shows like right before we were going to do it to say, hey, come to this house if you want to be in the video. And we had you know enough people show up and and kind of it went from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marcus. Was- Marco Siega directed uh, Dexter later on. Whoa, did he okay. really? Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, he's nice. done yeah, tons of stuff. I mean, that was... Um, well, he did the Civ video right before that, right? Their big first video, and I think that's how we got yeah. the rest. Oh, cool. Yeah. Was, uh, was the storyline for the video inspired by, like, Cyrano de Bergerac and Roxanne yeah, yeah. and stuff? Marco yeah. did all that. But the kid in the video... Right. Oh, this is a good one. The son of Max Bernstein. Did oh, I do that right? Yes. The guys who busted uh, Nixon. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and what's he doing mom, now? His mom is one of the Efron sisters. Mm-hmm. So Nora yeah. or Delia, Sleepless in Seattle, the Efron sisters made all those rom-coms. Oh, wild. So this kid is 
And he's, a touring, and he's a touring musician now, isn't he? I think yeah. now he plays guitar in Taylor Swift's band. Whoa. Oh, wow. And he says he, he says he loves being a side man. He doesn't have to write. He just shows up and plays. Dude, get that Taylor Swift tour 2021. Yeah, right? we, we reconnected with him just a couple back and forth on Instagram uh, I don't know, a few months back. And oh, that's cool. Found, yeah, I found all that out. Yeah, Woodward and Bernstein. That was Bernstein. You <laughs> learn something new every day. Yeah. So there, um, go ahead, Jason. Oh, I was going to ask if there was anything that we didn't cover that you wanted people to know when they pick up this record and listen to it. Uh, just as there's a bunch more records out there too. Yeah, that's true. You know, we, we, our band's kind of been a progression of sounds, not really intentionally, but just kind of rewrote how we felt like writing at the time. And this record we're talking about is probably bar none, our most aggressive sounding, fastest, evil in the best kind of way. Uh I think it's been a little while since I've listened to it. Every once in a while I go back and listen to some of the old stuff and, Uh, it's kind of funny so funny uh thing about this record i think somebody's gonna have to help me out with this i think when we recorded our first major label record right before that we did a demo at blasting room oh there was a big flood huh you remember there was a big flood there 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 were jason's girlfriend's car was pushed down the street that's right but the part of this, that's her, funny. It was part of the story I was going to tell. It was made her play when, we were, when we were like um, getting ready, I guess we uh, just kind of were rehearsing some of the songs and some of the like satellite studios attached to the recording studio. I think um, Stefan walked in and hopped behind the drum kit. And he was a huge fan of that Save It record. And so me and Mark, I believe Mark, do you remember this? It was, I think you and I were there and he starts playing these songs. But we hadn't played, I guess, some of those songs in a while. And he was playing those songs on the exact tempo that we recorded them. And it was like, it seemed like incredibly fast to play them. Um, <laughs> everyone's behind the drums playing Ed's parts. Like, you know, like. Yeah. For the, you got that, John? You're John, a good drummer. John, you're going to yeah. take over. I mean, did you have the cymbals? set up 14 feet above the throne still no one knows then, or no you, you, you do it your way and plays his cymbals <laughs> up literally like you know how mackie from the chromags like barely is on the drum stool most of the time he's like standing ed's yes. cymbals you need to stand in order to reach them so i have no idea how <laughs> so it's it's funny you mentioned with the chops i i hadn't seen i didn't get to see shades apart I apparently was went to the one show like I mentioned the show uh, when I was 15. There was a show at uh, Drexel University. It was Lifetime and Shades Apart were supposed to play. And I guess you guys canceled. And someone was like, that was probably the only show they ever canceled. Like they just weren't like, you know, band that canceled shows. So that was my luck. Like you guys were on the flyer. It was like Shades Apart, Lifetime. This would have been like December of 96. So like around this era and I was super excited because I, at that point I had this, the, the save it uh, album and you guys didn't play. And I know you've played since and I'm hoping that I will get a chance to, but I just thought that was funny. Like, you know, there's some bands where it's like, Oh yeah, they would cancel all the time. And then I mentioned this and someone's like, that was probably the only time they ever canceled a show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it was pretty rare for us. To watch yeah. the show. I, 
probably rolled my ankle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Time is a flat circle. <laughs> uh, yeah. so do you? Well, I guess before What's we move into, before we move into uh, true detective. Yes, okay. <laughs> you got it. Before we move into hot tracks to close, do what? Since you guys, I figure you have several albums on all these different labels. Do you each have a favorite? Like on like if you had to tell someone, someone never heard Shades Apart. Do you have a favorite album that you'd say, hey, this is the one. You want to see what my band sounds like? This is what you should listen to. Uh, yeah, I definitely have. Ed, Ed oh. what's, what you got? The new one, Eternal Echo. I, I feel like everybody brought their A game and we, we had time and no pressure to do it. And the recording came out great. So that's mine. Hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that in the sense that... Um, it's, I think the new record's a great combination of, say, like, where we left off when we left Revelation with, like, seeing things, like, that kind of vibe to, like, it, to me, it seems like it could have slotted in right after seeing things and right before our first major label record. And, and it was it was really fun to make. Like, we weren't under any corporate pressure or any right. label pressure. Like, it was yeah. just make the songs we want to. And sometimes I like to sort of eye up you know the, the listener who i'm talking to you can kind of sense maybe what they might like you know i could if i see someone's more like you know not really a scenester kind of guy just a regular average day joe i'll be like i'll push you towards eyewitness if i know you were like kind of in the scene probably uh maybe seeing things might be a good starting point for you you know but um but again that was pre eternal echo now that we have that record i really think that's a great place to sort of showcase what we've been about yeah how about you mark those are both really good answers i don't think i can argue with that <laughs> I mean, it's such a long like such a long time period and i feel like i think of each record as like this point in time it's hard for me to even a, a favorite for myself i can't i can't pick one but uh i, I agree with uh the the way the newest record represents us is pretty, it takes a lot from each, each of the time periods. So I feel like that's probably a good place to, you know, start people off and they can work their way back from there. How about you, John? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to agree with Mark. I mean, Kevin sent me the songs before the record came out and it was a little hard to like uh, really get a flow for the record until it was, you know, actually out and you can go through. But I, I agree with Mark. It takes sort of the best of the different chapters of shades apart so why not start fresh and then be able to kind of go back into the archives yeah. and appreciate what other the other releases have too i i agree too i think if someone can hear the first song on that record and not be into it then they're the band's probably just not for them like if you like the opening song on the new Is album so what now yeah like if you can hear that song and it doesn't get you fired up then I don't know. You're probably just not going to like it. And I'm, I think you're weird, but whatever. I actually do think that was a starting point for the album. We had that song and then we got the words together and heard how it sounded and said, this is kind of like the axle or the fulcrum for the album. It's going to yeah. be a callback to people who are ready to face, you know, themselves from 30 years yeah it's it's a perfect intro song like that would be 
even though as personally, like I said, my, my favorite full disclosure is, is seeing things, but I would say the new album is a great place for someone to start. So speaking of favorites, um, but I just wanted to interject something too. You you were talking about like, uh, if somebody hears the first song and they don't like it, they are probably just not going to like the band or whatever. So like, I don't know. I feel like one of my go-to good, two things i'd say for the past 20 years is after somebody's like oh you played a band oh what do you you know what do you sound like and or you know the first thing i'm gonna say well you know it's not for everybody <laughs> that's the like one of my go-to things is like you know we're like this but you know you probably it's not for everybody so and you can see you could say that about any genre of music you know right um but it's funny like from doing sort of press for the new record in the past year or so you know, it's it sort of um, elevated some of the like, you know, posts I see online and stuff. It's gotten a little more visibility. And, and one of the things that pops up repeatedly is people's love for neon, which is funny because at the time it went relatively unnoticed, you know, or at least we sort of felt like it went unnoticed. And it seems to be a lot of people's favorite record now as they've gotten older. Really? You know, maybe it wasn't a favorite record at the time, but they've kind of come to to like it as they. There's aged. definitely different groups of like like I'm 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 like a Rev era because that's where I came in. So those the the two Revelation albums are the ones I think I gravitate towards the most. But then you do have like talk to anyone over you know 45 in New Jersey, and they're going to tell you the Wishing Well album, you know. And then there's I'm sure you have a ton of people who got into the band from eyewitness, which I didn't, I'll admit, I didn't hear eyewitness till a couple of years ago. It, that record is fantastic. I, now that I have your contact info, I'm probably going to be punishing you to do like a Patreon uh, bonus on some of the non revelation albums. Um, because I have a lot of questions that I, I you know, I, I won't punish uh, listeners with on this one but like you know working with Lou Giordano and everything and then uh you know all that stuff um but yeah so there's like different kind of groups like that's one of the things I've noticed you have the the wishing well people the rev rev era the you know eyewitness and sonic boom and this new one really does kind of just tie it all together um but is there anything else have before we hop into hot tracks so John knows because he's, he's listened, but we do something called Hot Tracks. Um, I know you guys already kind of answered it in the no echo, great No Echo piece uh, that came out about a year ago where you went through every album. Um, people should definitely check that out uh, on No Echo. But we do a thing called Hot Tracks where we ask the bands and the guests what their favorite song on the album is, uh, you know, whether it's just your favorite for whatever reason, playing it live, the recorded version, the recording, the writing, the lyrics, you know, whatever. Um, so I will start to kick it off with John to give his hot track for Save It. Wow, thanks, Greg. Um, well, I love this whole record, but, uh, you know, I think we've everybody says this every time, right? If you got a band that you like, it's always hard to nail it down to one song on a record to be your hot track. But um, mine is really simple weight of years. I think Ed's drumming on this, like the whole drive for the entire song, the vocal harmonies, uh, it, it grabs me from start to finish. So I'm always stoked to hear that song. That's definitely like, want to have a good morning 
I'll put that song on. I feel like the rest of the day we'll just groove with it. So. Nice. Good choice. Let me see who goes next. I'm going to go with Ed. I was see you read my mind. I also like weight of years. It was just like an interesting uh, vocal lyric concept that the way it went with the melodies and the speed of the song felt authentic. Um, and like, as you get older, like the weight of years kind of is a thing. All right. So let's see who's next. I'm going to pick Jason. I'm going to go September Burns. I just love the vocal pattern. I love the ups and downs of it at the beginning and then kind of that soaring chorus over the guitars. And then you got that killer drum roll after the solo. It's just a cool song. Feels well, good. Feels like a I'm, nice fall song. I'm going to piggyback off it and say that's also my hot track. Um, I love the intro, the burn, like everybody just yes. like firing on all cylinders. Um, and then like Jason said, the, the chorus, the backup vocals, the little guitar stuff, like everybody I think is on fire on that. That has been a favorite of mine since I, um, since I got Save It, you know, in 96 or whatever. Like I have fond memories of back in the days of, you know, you'd get a CD and then you'd tape it to listen on your Walkman. And I would tape, I remember I had a tape that had, this album and then uh, Lifetime Hello Bastards on the other side. Mm. So it just, it just takes me back. I have fond memories of uh, just playing those two albums over and over and over again on my yellow little rubber looking Sony Walkman, a sports Walkman. So September Water. Burns. How about I you, Kevin? My wife's as well. You guys are oh. good company. Kevin, how about you? Ah, uh, boy, I don't know. I, I think Valid's kind of cool because it's an instrumental and, you know, you know, that's kind of a thing of the past sort of a lot. And uh, it's got that cool Agent Orange vibe to me. Um, I'll go with that one. Why not? Okay. And it's Valid. cool because it's one of these things where you pick an instrumental and it's not like the singer is left out because the singer is a stand. Like, you know, if one of my bands picked an instrumental, it'd be like, well, I guess you don't like my singing because <laughs> I don't do anything else. But I always no, love to the guitar work on valid is what makes it work. Exactly. So it's like you, it's the, the whole trio thing again. Like I love like when the police, you know, they had like on regatta to blank, they had, uh, um, you know, the instrumental tracks and stuff where everybody kind of just gets to shine. So let's see. Hav. Kind of have two. Oddly. Um, my first one, it's not, it doesn't really count because it's only on the CD. And that's We Are the One, which is the Avengers cover, which that's I right. first heard uh, in on the split seven inch that came with Antimatter, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And, oh, the, cool. and the B side is Resurrection covering Minor Threat out of step, which is a fucking rager also. But that seven inch was my introduction to the Avengers oddly. Um, and so I kind of have like a fond memory of finding that seven inch apart from the zine it digging through the crates and just be like, Oh cool. I'm just going to take this home and listening to it and, and 
was pleasantly surprised with both sides of it. But my proper hot track for this album is Brutus. Um, and on the No Echo article, which may have influenced me to like this song even more, um, one of y'all talked about how there's that seven, eight part in the middle. And so I was trying to come back and, and I was like, what's my hot track for this record, man? Like, what, what's it going to be? And then I re-listened to this song because of reading that. And I was like, that part is sick. That's my hot track for this record. So nice. Uh, yeah. Damn, I should have picked that one too. <laughs> so all that's left, we got you, Mark. Are you going to stick? You know, here's the mystery. Pick it, stick with what he said in No Echo, or is he going to change his mind and pick something oh. different? Find out. Uh, because I don't remember what I said in that, but <laughs> I was talking with you guys. It made it sparked a memory when uh, Kevin was talking about Stefan playing uh, Save It songs on the drums. And Secret Life, the groove of that song, like the, the drums and bass together and the whole feel of that song, I feel like that's like my favorite thing about uh, yeah, well, these guys, the rhythm section. And the, oh, are you listening to it now? Yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, just something about that song and then like, like, how I get to play the, like the real dissonant guitar part on top of what you guys are doing. And I, and, and picturing Stefan playing those parts and, and uh, you know, I think just that groove uh, set the, uh, a tone for the entire record. Like, I feel like that feel is just, I don't know. That's so, what I think I, about about that time period. It was like, it reminds like, me a lot of all like the, it, the chorus that it's a secret, you know, I can't sing it right now, but I could see like Chad Price singing that. Um, it totally has that feel to it. But I think what they're also saying is if a better drummer had played it, like Stefan, it would have been a really good song. Well, I didn't want to say it, but I don't know. That but, he, yeah, uh, I think that's it's understood. <laughs> and an interesting thing about uh, the other pick, uh, September Burns, I feel like that was... We had done a demo version of that years before at uh, Tracks East in the basement. I feel like oh, we, wow. that was part of one of the, uh, the original recordings. It was a, a song that had different, uh, had taken different forms over time and finally made its uh, debut on that record. But, um, well, guys, thank you so much. Um, yeah, this was a blast. As, as, like I said, as a longtime fan, I was super excited to talk about this record. I'm even more excited to hopefully get to talk about the follow-up um, and then Good. possibly punish you guys about your other records for exclusive bonus content. If you're listening to this podcast, let us know. Do you want to hear us talk about, uh, you know, Eyewitness and the Wishing Well record um, and stuff like that? Let us know. Maybe we can make it happen. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, yeah. For, yeah. Uh, remembering oh. us, old man. <laughs> and uh, I said for, I was just off recording. Uh, Kevin, I think before you joined, I was saying, I want to try for seeing things if they're not on tour and see about getting um, Joe from Rise Against is a huge fan of the record. He had told me wow. um, when we did a, a live stream. So I'll see if he can maybe pop on. 
I would also love to get Stefan, uh, Stefan or Bill to even just pop on for a couple minutes and share some thoughts. Um, but uh, yeah, that'd, that'd be, be wicked. That'd be so fun. Yeah, and Jordan and Jordan too. Can we also can we also get John though? John, oh John again? Of course. John has a standing invite. Okay, you're you're my favorite drummer from New Jersey. I can shoot hard ever. (laughs) Do you remember, John? Do you remember you you passed me on seventy eight once? I do remember. And I was listening to Pearl Jam. I don't remember (laughs) that you were listening to Pearl Jam, (laughs) but what a time! All right. Well, guys, thank you so much. And yeah, we'll see all of you again, which is lovely to say. Listen, I know this is going to sound really weird, but do you want to know who I think this record kind of sounds like? I do. Jawbox Novelty. Hmm. Yes. Because before I really sat down and listened to this record, now I'm, I'm, there's a difference between hear and listen. So I really listened to this record. I was expecting a little bit more of like a Smoking Pope's vibe. Right, a little bit more of like pop, punkish, but what I got was a little bit more of a like post DC hardcore adjacent vibe to it, and almost like early early helmet in a way, like a really softened version of like strap it on. Like, you know, pre-meantime, like no, not really that groove. It's funny you mention that because I wouldn't say early helmet, but I would I had gone on record as saying when I first heard the the last helmet album before they went on a hiatus or broke up or whatever. Aftertaste. Aftertaste. Uh-huh. I remember it saying this sounds kind of like jawbox to me at times. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. but yeah, I, they're in that same in that same thing uh, you know, camp where they come from the hardcore punk scene they're doing something a little different they have the intensity and the energy um and as you could hear from you know talking to these guys um you know they were in that scene they were yeah. playing at the anthrax they yeah. were playing with crow mags and Yo, agnostic I, front like, i that's- saw a picture of shades apart and they looked like up front like the band up front like camo shorts and like flat tops and i was like it, it, it they just looked and they like kind of like instead almost like they looked like fucking hardcore kids right john yeah, yeah. kevin uh, and uh kevin and ed definitely looked like hardcore kids i don't remember mark being that distinct but i mean looking back at pictures and the early shows when i was seeing them i mean they would play with vision and people would go off it obviously the, the flyers i sent you i mean mouthpiece shatter was an incredible 
underrated band from New Jersey, Resurrection. Like they fit in on yeah. on this vibe, and they just they look like a hardcore band. They just but played more they, melodically. When they played those shows, were there ever people that were like, uh, "This doesn't belong here. This is not hardcore." This no, is because at the time it was New Jersey, right? Like uh-huh. it was acceptable, and it was expected to have diversity in in like what you liked. And I think the the Middlesex shows and the Chatham shows specifically, like between Tracy and Chris, those guys putting those shows on, like that was their intention. They knew exactly what they were doing. And it was, so it was very familial. Yeah. I mean, they were, they're definitely like, I feel like when I talk to someone from the tri-state area, most of the times they're fans of shades apart, like anyone my age or a little older, like are psyched on, especially if you're from Jersey, right? Like, I just think, I don't know. I think they're a cool band. Um, I, it sounds almost embarrassing to say that I'm a fan and haven't seen them, but I sometimes don't like to leave my house. So that's not necessarily <laughs> like a shock, like, cause they played all the time. But again, I was supposed to see them that, that one show um, and didn't, but yeah, they kind of have something for everyone. I feel like with their records, um, and like I said, that eyewitness album, the major label debut is really good. Um, and so is the new record, uh, and they were on wishing well, like that's, like, I feel like almost like, <laughs> right. that's that like is the, cool. to me, that's like, they were on wishing well, like nobody can, you can't say anything because most people weren't on wishing well. I don't think and, there's any shades apart wishing well shirts out there. Are there? Um, yeah, Tim, Tim McMahon was wearing oh, one when, when, was when he? we, uh, hung out. What's up, Tim? Uh, okay, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I Second think it time. has like the, I think it has like the wishing well on Does the it? sleeve or something. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, they're, they're just, they're just an awesome band. I, I love, and you know, I have an affinity for trios, uh-huh. um, you know, with Husker do, like we said, uh, and, uh, you know, of course, Nirvana, but the police and um, I mean, just so many bands I love that, that have that that trio uh, sound. You know, the Clash were originally a trio when they started. Um, it's a it's tough because I'm not a good enough musician to ever be a part of a trio. So I'm almost always like uh, envious of, of, of trios because like. I can't imagine being the sole guitar player having to kind of end singing and like, yeah, and singing you know, at the same carrying time. all the weight and stuff. I just can't. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's uh, really all I got. Yeah. I'm, cool well, I'm, I'm glad I could get that out and that I, I'm not crazy for thinking that, it, that, that this record sounds like to me in my head, it sounds like Drawbox. And also I've said to you two before, that novelty is the only Jawbox record that I really enjoy, and I do really enjoy that record. So, when I started listening to Save It, I was like, "This is just what this sounds like to me." But anyway, yeah. So I got John. So, thank you for. Uh, yeah, yeah you thanks for hanging here. with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. We'll have you. Good. We'll have you for uh, seeing things. We can check you off, and we'll hopefully maybe get some other people to pop into and add some uh, tidbits to that. John, do you know what uh, our next episode is? Rev 41. Do you have any idea without looking? No. 
Jason, what yeah. is it? Siv, set your goals, LP. Ooh. It's going to be a Siv tacular. I think we're going to try to tackle the LP and the seven inches with point one and point two numbers behind it. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's no different songs on any of those, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. It, so it's really about the album, and that was a that was a game changer for me. Um, well, so I know a lot of people. One. A lot of people can't wait one minute more for that episode. Oh! <laughs> so we will see you right. next time. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Uh, both. In Malone right there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>What's up, everybody? This is Javier with the Where It Went podcast. Just wanted to give a special bit of bow to our top tier patrons. Billy Tanell, Bram Hubble, Brandon Gavell, Brian Skiffington, Brooklyn, Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, Cliche John, David Palmer, Dirk Focused, Greg Jackson, Jeremy Holohan, John Cowell, Quiet Keith, Maddie Cox, Nate of Head to Wall Fame, Rob Moran, Ryan Walker, Tim Shear, Siren Records, and Dollar Slice Bootlegs. If you'd like more information on how you can become a patron and help us out every month, please visit www.whereitwentpodcast.com and you'll find that info and a bunch of other cool info, I guess. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bidipo.